It's show 45 of the Rim Pro Report. Today, Steve Sisney, CEO of Cornerstone Records Management. Plus, we'll update you on the latest industry news. This show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. What impresses me about this company is not just their dedication to a great product, great customer support and service, but the focus they have on new development, not for where you are today, but for where you'll need to be down the road in your Record Center future. You can learn more about O'Neill at O'NeillSoft.com. I'm ready to go, are you? Well, let's get to it. Welcome to the Rim, Rim, Rim Pro Reports, the one and only weekly broadcast for the Rim Support Services industry. Bustling with news, views, here's what I believe, and the latest updates. That's just them. The show is full of interesting information, stories, yes, important product and service reviews, yes, and a cast of industry characters included. Yes. <laughs> Record center operators, shred and destruction vendors, media and electronic vaulters, scanners and imaging providers. Take note, this show is for you. Now here's your host, Tom Adams. Here's Johnny. Well, no, no, it's not Johnny, it's Tom. And I wasn't quite expecting that introduction, Jack, but uh, thanks anyways. And, and and by the way, that's Jack Nicholson. <laughs> uh, today, along with the news, we're planning on talking to Steve Sisney. He's the CEO of Cornerstone Records Management. As you know, Cornerstone bought LA Records a while back and then in the West and then Nova in the East. And well, they're one of the active and high growth companies in the industry right now. And I'm lucky enough to have the opportunity to talk to Steve today. So in a few minutes, We'll give Steve a call and talk to him about what's happening in the Cornerstone world. And as you can see, Jack Nicholson has stopped by the studio today to hang out with us. Jack, having watched you for five years, I'm shocked and and delighted that you're sitting right here in the studio with me. Maybe it's all the movies I've watched with you. Uh, but having you here in the studio, it's it's kind of weird. It feels like we've done this before, sat together and hung out, I mean. When I came up here for my interview, it was as though I'd been here before. Yeah, I know. I mean, we all have moments of deja vu, but I this do. was ridiculous. It was almost as though I knew what was going to be around every corner. <laughs> yeah, well... Uh... It's, it is kind of spooky. Deja vu. Well, I, I don't think you've ever been here before. This is a pretty new studio. But maybe it was at one of those Oscar after parties or Hollywood get-togethers. I don't, we've never actually interviewed. but So I, I, I guess, you know, if you feel the deja vu, deja vu, deja vu, <laughs> deja vu, that's funny. Um, I hope it doesn't creep you out here being in this studio. Well, it's very uh, homey. Glad you think so. Or or was that just a little sarcastic, Jack? I like to explore some personal issues while I have guests like you on the show. You don't you don't mind if I ask you some personal questions, right? You have to ask me nicely. Oh, well, all right. Uh, nicely it'll be. So the first question, what is your favorite drink? Kopi Luwak, the rarest beverage in the world. Do tell us more. I've never heard of that before. Kopi Luwak is the world's most expensive coffee. Though for some it falls under the category of too good to be true. Yeah, I see that you're drinking it even as we speak here and, and really seeming to enjoy it. Almost to the point of obsession. 
it does look like a rare beverage. So, so tell me more. Where do these? Where does this rare coffee come from? In the Sumatran village, where the beans are grown, lives a breed of wild tree cat. Huh. These cats eat the beans, digest them, and then defecate. Oh, gross! I really wanted to try some, but but now I, I'm not even close to interested. I can certainly smell the unique coffee-like aroma, but mm, does it really taste that good? It is the combination of the beans and the gastric juices of the tree cat that give Kopi Luwak its unique flavor and aroma. Okay, coffee from pooping tree cats. Uh, let's move on. Uh, so what was your favorite bedtime story as a child? Little pigs, little pigs, let me come in. Not by the hair on your chinny-chin-chin. Then I'll huff. And I'll puff. And I'll blow your house in. Wow. I wasn't expecting that kind of theatrical performance, but given that it's you, Jack, I'm not surprised. So The Three Little Pigs was your favorite. Well, that's very cool. Great story. Uh, I like that one, too. So maybe another question. Um, How would you describe yourself in one sentence? In this town, I'm the leper with the most fingers. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, what's that supposed to mean? You can't handle the truth. Well, what do you mean I can't handle the truth? I don't have a problem with the truth. Never, never interrupt me, okay? Uh, okay. Not if there's a fire. Not even if you hear the sound of a thud from my home. And one week later, there's a smell coming from there that can only be a decaying human body. And you have to hold a hanky to your face because the stench is so thick that you think you're going to faint. Even then, don't come knocking. Well, that turned quickly. I didn't plan on interrupting you, and I'm sorry if it seemed like I did. I I don't know if we should even continue down this path, but I I really don't think I have a whole lot of time to to do this. And, you know, I I didn't expect you to get all all kind of angry on me like that. So um, I I think we should just go to the news. You know, you're a great man, Jack, and I I really appreciate you being here. You make me want to be a better man. Well, well, thank you, I I guess. I I really appreciated that Kopi Luwak uh, coffee information, although likely never going to try it. But, you know, I do have to get to the industry news, and it sure is great having you here and... What, what, what? Hang on. Hey, what? You're trying to give me a hug? Soak it up. It's your last chance for a hug for a few days. Oh, all right. I'll take the hug. Thank you. So, Jack, just, you know, you come to relax and hang out in the studio. So why don't you just relax, drink your coffee. I'll cover the news and have that interview with Steve Sisney, and I'll catch up with you in a while. How's that sound? All righty. Well, let's go to the news. I'm going to pull out the news, and then, yeah, we'll get the news music going. Well, as I said, Steve Sisney from Cornerstone Records is on this show today, and I'm going to be calling him shortly, but they just announced earlier this week that they've completed the acquisition of the assets of Intech Management Systems. Intech was he- headquartered in New York and is has been primarily focused on the storage and management of hard copy documents uh, for customers in the New York metro and New Jersey markets. So, uh Another big acquisition for Cornerstone. And then just to make it a really good week in the uh, Cornerstone camp, they also announced they've just completed the acquisition of Med Resolutions Corporation based uh, in the Houston, Texas area, which 
uh, is uh, is a big acquisition, and this is a new market for them. And I'm sure in our conversation with Steve shortly, we'll talk more about that. So congratulations to Cornerstone on these two acquisitions in the last week. Hey, 69 boxes of copied burial records containing the personal information of people buried at the Arlington National Cemetery were found this month at a private self-storage facility in Northern Virginia, cemetery officials told a congressional committee on Thursday. The boxes were discovered by the manager of the facility who went to clear out the unit after he had not received rental payment on it. When he noticed that the records belonged to the Arlington Cemetery, he called them. Seems the storage unit was being rented by an employee of a company that the cemetery had hired to digitize its burial records, cemetery officials said. Citing the investigation, they declined to identify the company. An investigation by the Inspector General last year found that the cemetery had paid millions to a few companies in failed attempts to create a digital database of its paper records. Well, you know what that says to me? It's says to me that if you have a storage facility, if you have a bricks and mortar business, you can sell scanning by bringing them back to your place now. And all you have to do is bring this official news from the government that clearly identifies that there's people out there selling to government and they don't even have a facility. They're putting the records in a self-storage unit. Now that's renting a self-storage unit to do that. So I, th- I think that's something you can play off of very effectively. Hey, Stealth Shredding in Chesapeake, Virginia has been named winner of the Best of Business to Business Award in the Hampton Roads, Virginia area. And it also was awarded the Small Business of the Year. This is actually the second time in a row that Stealth Shredding has been recognized with the award. So congratulations to Ron Mann and the team at Stealth Shredding. Reclamere, we've had uh, Angie from Reclamere on the show a number of uh, six months ago maybe, has announced that its Monroeville, Pennsylvania facility has achieved NAID certification for sanitization operations. There are only 11 facilities with this specialized NAID designation and uh, Reclamere's uh, Late or second plant has actually got that new designation, so congratulations to them. Well, according to recent findings, there is a greater threat to data security through physical theft than that of hacking. I, I know we talk a lot about hacking on the news uh, in the last number of months, but it seems that in some research done by an organization called Software Advisor, that the reasons behind data breaches and loss at most U.S. medical agencies. Uh, they actually discovered that around 49% of the infringements were due to physical theft, not actually being hacked. Carelessness such as loss of sensitive data, which things like misplacing laptops and human error were the major factors in the breach of data security, making up 14% of data loss cases with improper data destruction accounting for 5%. Well, hacking attempts have recently been highlighted within the media as headaches for many businesses. Illegal access into data security committed by cyber criminals makes up only 6% of the the actual crimes that are committed. So I I think it's important to realize that, that, you know, the stuff that we tend to interact with our prospects on is really where the action is taking place. Yes, the press and even us, 
you know, on the Rim Pro Report have covered the data breach stuff that's sort of the illegal activity that uh, happens sort of in hacking. But the reality is when it comes to the pure numbers, it's the stuff that we can help our clients with that, that really where a majority of the actual breaches are taking place and occur. And talking about data breaches in a in this kind of situation, a data breach at the California Department of Public Health has affected the personal and workers' comp information of nearly 9,000 current and former employees, according to the California Department of Public Health. The news release states that the employee's information was improperly copied to a private hard drive and then taken out of the state's offices. So, again, this is not somebody that hacked the system. This is somebody who walked in, was able to somehow, or there was someone on the inside who copied information, and the hard drive was released. So roughly 6,000 current California Department of Public Health and, and Healthcare Services employees are affected in addition to nearly 3,000 former employees. So it's happening and that's an example of it. And those are the kind of areas that I think we have tremendous ability to help people in. Hey, in the past 52 weeks, shares of Iron Mountain have traded between a low of 1993 and actually now trading at their highest in a long time in the 33.39 per share range, which is 68% above the low price. So a lot of the work that's happened, a lot of the uh, activity that's happened with Iron Mountain in the last uh, number of months seems to be panning out from an investor share share price perspective. And so uh, if you're holding iron shares, well, it looks like things are looking up for you. Hey, that's all the news I have this week. If you've got news you want to share with me, I would love to hear from you. Please send me your acquisitions, your new I. I you know, new things happening in your world, and I would love to hear from you. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to get Steve Sisney on the phone. I'm going to make sure Jack's got his coffee and is doing okay with that, and I'll be right back with Steve on the line. Hang on a second. I am privileged today to have on the line Steve Sisney, who is the CEO of Cornerstone Records Management. Cornerstone has a solid presence on the West Coast and the East Coast and a number of places in the middle and is really well known as uh, being an organization that's doing a lot of acquiring in the industry. And we've mentioned Cornerstone a number of times frequently on the show as it relates to their acquisitions, but we finally have a chance to chat with the CEO. So, Steve, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Hey, it's a real pleasure to have you on the RimPro Report today. So let me, let me start by asking this. How does an industrial engineer end up running a RIM service company? Well, first, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be on your show, and, and I think that that is a very interesting question. Um, I'd, I'd studied industrial engineering at Texas A&M and had a great time, went out and worked a couple of years, but decided to go back to, to business school. Yeah. And once I got out of business school, joined Cooper Industries and went through a number of jobs with them. and. After 19 years, I was a group president with a boss who was a year older than I was. And so I started looking at some other opportunities. I was recruited by Sterling Partners, um, a private equity firm, to run a portfolio company that they had in uh, the Baltimore area. I came and and did that. We had a very successful run. I sold that business in May of 2008 and uh, was needing a job. And uh, Sterling started looking at the uh, record information management space and found it very attractive. Uh, was looking for someone to kind of head up the the, the process for them, um, and that's you know and because I had experience working with them on Atlantic, 
um, kind of segued into helping them evaluate and ultimately uh, get into the record information management space. So the connection really came through that whole the Sterling the Sterling uh, company or the Sterling investor group that that is a significant investor in Cornerstone, correct? Right. So Sterling Partners again, the the lead director for Atlantic was the lead director initially in Cornerstone. Um, he was the one who, through some proprietary research, had identified that um, you know it was a great market. And so yeah. I spent that summer looking at the industry to convince myself that. Uh, this was something I wanted to do. And the more I looked at the space, the more exciting it got. I mean, it was one of those, those businesses that you know, most people don't even know it yeah. exists, but once you start looking at it and realize the size, the stickiness of the customers, uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a great business. So I've, I've, I've been really enjoying the last three years here at uh, Cornerstone. Well, so so let's, let's go back into Cornerstone a bit because Cornerstone, you know, is really a, a consolidation of a number of different entities. So tell me a little bit about the story or the history of Cornerstone. We're actually coming up on our, our three-year anniversary. So Sterling, again, once they had made the decision that, that this was a business they wanted to be in, they were looking for a, a, a place to start, ultimately uh, purchased a company called LA Records out yeah. in L.A. in uh, June 30th of 2008. Um, ultimately, then we purchased you know, Nova Records that got us into the East Coast. Um, but we've completed our 15th and 16th acquisitions last Friday, actually. Wow. So, um, you know, we've, we've clearly done a, a number of transactions. Um, you know, we're in nine different regions now. So we have four in the West and, and five in the East. Um, you know, I think we have 20 uh, hard copy record facilities. Uh, today, uh, we have four shred plants, we have 10 uh, electronic media vaults, um, and we offer imaging in eight of the nine regions and you know, soon to have them in all regions. Wow, very cool. So the, the, the growth has been sort of the acquisition of those two larger enterprises, but you've been, as we've noted on the show over the last year, uh, actively acquiring uh, one-off enterprises here and there. And uh, so the, you're at your 20, what did you say, your 18th? I we did, uh, last Friday we announced two acquisitions. One was uh, a tuck-in acquisition up in our New York metro area. And then we actually entered a new market for us, which was Houston. We did our first acquisition in Houston last Friday. So that was wow. number 16. Wow. Congratulations. So tell me a little bit about that acquisition strategy. I, I know this space is filled with people who are out acquiring because it is such a good space. It's such a good business, and acquisition is a, is a powerful way to do that. But as you guys come from your unique perspective, what is this strategy around acquisition? What's, you know, are you sort of focused on one type of activity, tuck-in stuff, expanding your market? What's kind of the, the modus operandi of what you guys are doing? By and large, we're looking for acquisitions that are either in our footprint or adjacent because, therefore, we can do a better job leveraging our resources as opposed to being, you know, scattershot across the U.S. Right. Um, and clearly, the, the, the tuck-in acquisitions are, are cleanest and easiest, but, you know, we've entered into, uh, you know, Riverside, California, the Inland Empire. Um, you know, Houston marked another market which we had interest in which was kind of our first foray outside of our, our existing footprint. Yeah. Um, we've expanded down into Baltimore. Originally, we kind of went as far south as Wilmington, but we've, we have entered into the Baltimore market. Um, and so, again, we're looking for things that, you know, either or again, in, in the existing space where we can incorporate, you know, uh, efficiencies on routing, 
Uh, you know, most of the customer-facing people we don't change, but on the back office side, obviously, we can work on you know getting some leveraging. More importantly, expanding the service offerings to the customers. Right. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, Atlantic Industrial, by the way, was a, a industrial plant services. And one of our sayings was, you know, you land and expand. You get into a customer, then you offer them other services. And same thing in this space is we go in, and whether it's box storage or shredding, is it gives us an opportunity to go in and, and do some more cross-selling. And so that that's been a, a nice avenue for revenue growth for us. And are, are you seeing the, the value of, because I, I know you've done a, a few uh, just shred-only purchases. Has that been a valuable addition, do you, do you feel? Well, again, our philosophy is that we want to offer the complete offering in all the markets we serve. And so right. that if I don't have that coverage, um, then we'll go look for it. Okay. So uh, most of the shred-only, for example, in, in Denver, um, you know, we had a single shred truck, but, you know, to get some more scale, we bought the better shredder. Um, as we expand in Houston, I'm sure that we'll ultimately be looking at acquiring someone. I mean, we've, we've in certain markets, we've taken, you know, new trucks and, and, and started that way. Um, it's just a little bit slower. Um, we have, you know, markets like Denver were organic growth for us. I mean, that were, were green fields. Orange County has been a green field for us. Uh, the shred plant in, in Van Nuys was a green field for us. Um, you know, so we kind of take a, a you know, we, we look at a given market right. and, and think about is it, you know, are there acquisition candidates and can we get them at an attractive price quickly or does it make more sense to Greenfield? You know, we've added a couple of facilities in the, in the east, again, to fill in some, some spaces where, you know, there just weren't candidates available at, you know, prices that were attractive. And yeah. So in those cases, we're, we'll, we'll go in and Greenfield ourselves. So in that greenfield uh, organic growth focus, um, what you know there there must be a significant amount of, of of back and forth in your mind about sort of buying something that already has the footprint and growing it that way because there is a lot of work to doing it that way. Yes, and so again, that's always one of the things that we we look at and discuss. And you know, and, and if you're into acquisitions, it, it's a lumpy business. I yeah, mean, things aren't always available and. You kind of go in peaks and valleys. You know, to level that off, though, we've made a significant investment in, in the field sales organization. We have uh, 20 salespeople. We have uh, three in account management and a director of account management. Um, and so, again, whether or not you know we're looking at new markets or within existing markets, you know, we're still trying to get additional share in the spaces that we're at. And so, I think you know, we have, you know, for size of company that we are. You know, we have a significant uh, you know, field sales organization. So, you know, as you as you as the CEO are sort of looking forward, is the goal to to really have footprint uh, all across the U.S. Is that kind of the long term focus? Or no, just the, the, grow the short answer to that is, is is no. But the the there are other markets we we have interest in, and as we you know wouldn't say saturate, but as as we you know gain. Yeah. certain amount of, of structure and, and penetration in some of our existing markets. We are starting to prospect in, in some other markets. I mean, I'd love to be in Chicago. I'd love to be in Dallas. Yeah. Um, you know, Atlanta is, is another opportunity that, that we're looking at. Um, and, and so, again, we're going to be very selective about the new geographies that, that we enter. But I do see us, you know, looking just as we entered into Houston, that was a target market for us. Right. Uh, that we will continue to, to, you know, to look at and be 
opportunistic uh, if if the right opportunity presents itself. Right. Well, it's a slightly different track because I, you know, having watched you guys for a while, you you got this thing called the Edge, and uh, that that's intriguing to me. Tell me more about the Edge and what you're doing with the Edge. When we started Cornerstone, you know, you know, we're, we're sitting, you know essentially starting from scratch, and so yeah. we needed to think about what is our culture going to be like. I mean, what 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 is Cornerstone? Who, you know, who are we? Right. And so the edge was really the development of our philosophy on how we're going to run the business. You know, and from that, we developed our, you know, our mission, our vision, our values, so that we have a you know kind of common theme and common common understanding across the company. Because as we bring in sixteen different acquisitions. You know, we need to be able to, to treat, teach people and train people about what it means to be part of Cornerstone. Right. And so, um, you know, the edge is, you know, just this, you know, actually we're doing training today in Houston on, on this. Um, with, with people join the company, whether you're a new hire or come as, far as, come as part of an acquisition, um, we have an employee recognition program, which is a kind of a takeoff on the edge called, you know, employees, you know, delivering great execution. But it's a quarterly program where, again, people can nominate people who kind of go above and beyond, who who exemplify the values of, of Cornerstone. And so we want to recognize those people. And so, um, you know, it just, again, it gives us a common, uh, you know, template, you know, to talk about, you know, what, what is it, you know, what are we trying to do? You know, we target small to medium enterprises. You know, there are a certain set of values that, that are fundamental for yeah. us and, and so help you know, define how you how you look at and solve problems. And it, it looks to me, I, I kind of dug in on, on some of the stuff on your site, and it looks to me like you're actively, pro, you know, awarding people for really doing cool stuff. So uh, do, you, do you feel like when you have that kind of focus, an edge focus, that that really helps in the acquisition, uh, during acquisition, because it gives something that, that is compelling? Is that is that what you find with it? Well, it, it helps us, you know, to talk to either owners of, of businesses or you know, employees of businesses that we have is, again, helping them understand who Cornerstone is. Right. And and so that, you know, that, you know we do have a business purpose um, and how they would fit into you know, what we're trying to do. But also says it gives us the values to talk about on, on what's important, you know, about doing the right thing, about continuous improvement. I mean, you know, one of the things that we focus on is, is you know, we, we, we use a tool called Kaizen right. that help us on our goal of continuous improvement. You know, and so these are multi-functional, multi-location teams that get together. We do these once a month. We train on Monday afternoon. The event runs Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And we wrap up on Friday morning. But it's all about, you know, Kaizen means, you know, change for the better. Right. But it's also about rapid improvement. And so we just did one last month where we were focusing on drivers. And one of the things that, that happens as we do these acquisitions is a lot of people have, you know, whatever method that they were doing yeah. previously before they became part of Cornerstone. Yeah. And so what you don't want to have is having you, you do a process 16 different ways. And so, you know, this is part of our tool to get people to have consistent processes and allows us, you know, to take them in a bite at a time. I mean, that's, you know, how do you eat an elephant, you know, bite at a time is yeah. that, you know, we've got a lot of moving parts in the business. And so you can't, what we don't want to do is make a little bit of progress on a bunch of things. We want to get things quickly solved and we move on to the next one. 
so, you know, again, how does a driver look? How should he behave? And, and so that was the focus on the last one. We've done one on customer service. The next one coming up relates to, you know, how we load information into the CRM system. Oh, cool. That account payable. So, I mean, it, it runs the gamut. And so yeah. we think about which things will have the greatest impact on the most number of regions because, you know, that's what we have different people from different regions who they can go back and help implement at their location in their region what we learned at the Kaizen event. And so it's not just where it was hosted, but we want people to go back and then and implement it. And so we have a 30-day plan after every Kaizen is to get everything finished. And so, again, part of it is you have to really reduce the scope oh, sometimes yeah. so yeah. that you can you can bite it off, that, that there's something that you can you know, complete and, and, and solve, and then you may have other ideas for future events that come out of it, saying it was beyond the scope of this event, but it would be a great future event. And so our, our, our list of future projects far <laughs> outweighs our capacity to, to, to do To it. do that every time. So right. so those are monthly events. That's very cool because, you know, that, that whole process really has really been born out of the um, out of the product orientated businesses and that is that something you've you did in your former in Cooper and Atlantic was that a, a significant part uh, of your process in those companies in 1998 I was in Syracuse with crowd science and we launched a program for continuous improvement based on a system that Danaher had developed and ultimately that got rolled out across all, all of Cooper hmm. but as it evolved, it became clear that not only was it good for manufacturing processes, it, it's applicable for services. Yeah. And, and so a lot of the team and a lot of the senior management here has come from backgrounds where they have had training in lean principles. And really, yeah. it's, it's lean. And so yeah. those can be as applicable to service oh, as yeah. is the manufacturing. Oh, that's very cool. Well, it, it, it to me is... It, it, it's an exciting place to be because especially when you're bringing all of these diverse groups together, not only is the edge program something that sort of gives people a, a, a value system to work with, but your continuous improvement that that process really um, keeps them focused on where you're going as opposed to where you've been. It, and and I, I would suspect having talked to a number of people that have been through the process of being acquired, it's very easy to get stuck in those situations on where we used to be as opposed to where we're going. Right. And we also want to be make sure that we're smart enough to figure out if somebody's doing it better, right. how do we roll that out quickly? Right. And, and so, again, that's one of the things that we, you know, we, we try to be um, thoughtful in who we select to be on teams. And when we've seen a best practice, a new best practice, on making sure that you know, we, we create a, a form that allows that best practice to get you know introduced and exploited, but this is one of the ways that we, we kind of can get a rapid rollout of you know new ideas too. That uh, we, you know we get people from the acquired business who has this best practice and help them be on the team. And, right. You know, generally that the, the group then you know they'll you know the light will go off go on and right. say, hey, this is great. You know, and, and so this this makes a lot of sense for us. Yeah. Oh, very cool. So uh, are you seeing, you've been at this three years, you've, you know, big consolidations of some, some significant groups before added uh, a lot of added ones since, but where are the cool things that you see happening across your entire organization? Is there sort of spots that you're going, wow, this was even better than we anticipated? One of the things we've been doing again is looking at 
how do I, how do I leverage my existing customer base? And right. So we have a one of our guys on our team is Sean Stevens, who's an expert in electronic media vaulting. And yeah. So we've done a lot to upgrade the the vaults that we've had and or build new vaults, particularly in the East Coast. And so, you know, and, and there's a, all the debate at Prism and other shows about whether, you know, electronic media, what's the growth in the future. But again, for us, it, it's been a very good business. We've continued to grow that. The, you know, the scan on demand and the imaging, again, is, is I think, still in its infancy, but yeah. continuing to grow. And, and so one of the things that we, we were on the cusp of. Frankly, for me, the best thing, though, is when people start realizing they're part of Cornerstone and not some, you know, whatever the prior business is. And so that, again, that's one of the things these Kaizans really do for us because they put different people from different regions together, and all of a sudden, when they leave the room and they get their certificates, of, you know, at, at the end, we award the team you know, certificates, and, and, you know, they feel a really part of Cornerstone at that part. And then they have another lens to look at their business when they go back, and, and so... You know, they're, they're proud to be part of Cornerstone at that point. And so that, that's, that's really fun. And yeah. so, you know, we really work to make sure that we, we try to get groups together because a lot of our facilities, maybe there's only three or four people working there. Right. And so you sort of feel kind of isolated right. sometimes. And so how do you overcome that to make you feel that, you know, you're part of something bigger? Right. Well, and especially in, the, in an environment like yours, distributed but shared services sort of sitting at, at the head office, uh, you don't have all of the infrastructure staff at a lot of places now. It's more the the operations team that, and so that that sense of team and community becomes very important. Right. Yeah. So how, in, on a more maybe personal level, how is this company that you're now running, that you're the CEO of, different than the work you did, say, at Atlantic or Cooper? Uh, do you do you get up every morning excited, can't wait to get get at it, or or is it a big challenge, or is it? You know, how, how are you feeling it to be a, a different play for you? Well, number one, you shouldn't be doing your job. You shouldn't be in a job if, you can't, if you're not excited when you wake up yeah. in the morning. I, mean, I get up every morning. actually get up every morning at 4.40 because I have to exercise before I come to work. But, you know, I, I'm thinking about the day because there's just always a lot lot to do. Oh, yeah. We, we can do. You know, Cooper got to the point, $5 billion company. I mean, there's just, you know, as much as you want to have it lean, it, it, you know, there's still a certain amount of bureaucracy and other activities that slow the decision-making process. Yeah. With Atlantic and with Cornerstone, you know, we're very flat organizations. Sterling Partners have been a great partner for us, have a lot of latitude to make decisions locally. So we're very quick. You know, if we need to change direction, we can change direction. If we need to make, you know, spend some money, we, we spend money. And so one of the things with the public corporation, obviously, is the timing of how you spend money. As yeah. opposed to saying now, in a private setting, well, we want to pick up and move, and we're going to spend some money, you know, racking and, and moving boxes, you know, and it's going to hurt us, you know, from an earnings standpoint this quarter. You know, we don't get too hung up on that. You yeah. Know, because we know longer term, that's the right decision. Right. Um, you know, the public corporation, much more discussion, much more debate about, you know, if that would happen, how that was going to happen. Um, and so a lot more, you know, freedom in, 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 in this kind of role, which is, which is exciting for me. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Well, just from, you know, sort of observing you at Prism a couple of months ago, I was, uh, you, you were, you were a man, you know, flying around. <laughs> Lots going on. So, um, congratulating. That's great. Uh, and it's exciting to hear what you guys are doing and, and how that's all transpiring. Hey, I, I always ask a couple of kind of fun off the wall questions to, to all my guests, but a couple for you, if you had a, a desert out, 
island album cassette eight track cd or what it whatever it might immediate be what's your desert island album oh man that's a tough one because uh you know i have a fairly eclectic taste um you know just just for my uh, wedding anniversary yesterday i'd gotten the new uh the kenny chesney cd and, and so which of uh, his work is is kind of turning more beachy and deserty so um, I don't have a good answer for that. All right, I mean, so it, you, you, know, you could that, you could sway country if if necessary. Exactly. Right. So I I have this belief that leaders are are readers, uh, whether it be book readers or you know what they're reading. But what's your current best read? Well, my best read every morning is the Wall Street Journal. I okay. mean, I still I've, I've been reading the journal since my sophomore year in, in, in college, and you know six days a week, and, and I get more out of that than I do of any other publication. So. I encourage, I encourage, you know, again, I, I think it's, it's, it's changed over time, but yeah. I think that's one of the, the best tools that, uh, you know, that you can read as a business leader. Cool. And finally, if magically you had a, an entire free day off tomorrow with nothing to do and you could do whatever you wanted, there was nobody demanding anything of you, family or otherwise, what would you do? I would get my family and would go scuba dive. Scuba diving. That uh, my kids are now old enough to dive, and so you know, there's you know, we, we don't play golf, but you know, it's, it's cool to have the kids with you out out scuba diving. Very cool. Well, Steve, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. I'm uh, I'm always intrigued uh, as I watch companies like you, yours, like Cornerstone, grow and evolve and develop. And uh, a, for me specifically, it's it's the intrigue about the the person who is kind of steering the ship. And I know you've got great teams and you got great people, but it's been a pleasure talking to you about what you're doing and how you're leading uh, Cornerstone into the future and continued success in what you're doing. It's been great Thank chatting you very much. with you. All right, cheers. Well, 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 looks like Cornerstone's doing some great stuff. So uh, that's that's a cool conversation, and I'm really appreciative to, for Steve taking the time to talk to us about what's going on at Cornerstone. Hey, Jack, how are you holding up? Looks like you've enjoyed hanging out with us today. What if this is as good as it gets? Well... It might be as good as it gets. This is pretty good around here. But, you know, we always have ways to get better. You might need to drop around some other time, and I might actually have some coffee brewing for you. Uh, Some of that Kopi, what is it called? Kopi something. Anyways. Hey, uh, as we finish the show, let me remind you that this show is sponsored by our great friends at O'Neill Software. They've got technical support and customer service coverage you can count on. This includes regional coverage in the Americas, Europe, Middle East, and Africa, as well as throughout Asia Pacific. So for more information and to really be able to count on their technical support and customer service, you can learn more about them at O'Neillsoft.com. Well, that's all for now. A little slow tonight, isn't it? Well. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Jack. Well, thank you for being here. Next week is show 46 of the Rimper Report. Don't forget to tune in. And as we always say, we are out of here. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com, where you can find show archives and a whole lot more. 
This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Incorporated. Join us again soon.